we have uh, once a month we spotlight uh, submissions and everyone is invited to bring to prepare month long and then on that last uh, I was going to say last Sunday last Saturday now of the month uh, bring your offering that you want to send to a mission any mission and designate it to that mission and a hundred percent of it goes to them and so that's what we do once a month and and so it's very um, timely that Brother Andrew Taylor is joining us tonight on our Missions Saturday, yeah. Missions Weekend, all right? And um, so I invite you to allow the Lord to minister to your heart tonight in the way that He wants to, in the way that He sees fit. And as, as Brother Andrew ministers what the Lord has given to him and tells us about the work that the Lord has put into or assigned to, to him, to them. Um, you know, the Lord might have you be a part of it, even if you weren't before. And so be sensitive to that. Be sensitive to the Lord. And then just do what he says. And that's how we win. Amen. Do what he says. All right, brother, would you come and we'll pray together before you take off. Father, I thank you for our brother Andrew. I thank you that you've brought him here again. And Lord, we just surrender and yield ourselves to you for your... We want Jesus to be glorified tonight. And so, Father, I ask that by your Spirit you have free reign. Minister to us as you see fit through our brother. Give him the words to speak. Give us the ears to hear and the heart to receive. In Jesus' name, and amen. Good evening, church. In Acts chapter 1, the Lord Jesus ascends to heaven. Remember that? And he makes that powerful statement. Um, but you shall receive power. That's Acts 1.8. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. By the way, I learned to say to the JWs, you know what JWs? Jehovah's Witnesses. You're a JW. God bless you. I'm also a JW. You're Jehovah's Witness. I'm a Jesus Witness. In Acts 1 8, Jesus says, You shall be witnesses unto me. Yes. You're a JW. I'm J- and by the way, did you know that in America, I'm going to come here and tell you this. In America, Jehovah's Witnesses have bought out Domino's Pizza. You never heard that. You still get the pizza delivered in time. It takes forever to get rid of the delivery boy. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I just, you know, I feel so comfortable here, Pastor Sid. Oh, what's it with him? I don't know. It's, it's this guy, okay, I'm, I'm not going to swallow everything he says to me the next time. So next, chapter 1, and the Lord Jesus ascends, says, wait for the Holy Spirit, the promise. What happens in Acts chapter 2? Kapow! The 120 in the upper room. For the first time ever. I like the way, I like to put it this way, the same pillar of fire that stood by the children of Israel in the wilderness, the same pillar of fire that held back Pharaoh and his army and horses and chariots, which was symbolic and representative of the immediate Shekinah presence of Almighty God 
burst into 120 little pieces and fell on every single one of them that day in the upper room when the Spirit of God was given without measure. Before that, if the children of Israel came close to Sinai when Moses was up on the mount or came next to that pillar of fire, they became toast. Now, he is deigned to dwell in you and I. What a sacred trust. And so, that's what happens in Acts chapter 2. And then what happens as a result of that? How many souls get saved? 3,000 souls get saved. And then we progress on to chapter 3. I'm going to stop with chapter 4 here. It's chapter 3 of the book of Acts. And Peter and John come to the temple. And there's a gate there called Beautiful. There must have been some beautiful architecture or whatever about it. And there was a man who used to sit there begging for alms. And he was, the word of God tells us, above 40, 40 years of age. So it wasn't like he had just been brought there a couple of weeks ago. Brought there probably by his loved ones and family to beg for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And Peter and John come by. In fact, if you have your Bibles, just see a couple of... Because I'm going to focus on chapter 4, so this is overview. Chapter 3 of Acts. Peter and John come the temple. There was a lame man from his mother's womb, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple called Beautiful to beg alms. When he saw Peter and John go to the temple, he asked them. And Peter, verse 4. Fastening his eyes upon this lame man with John said, Look on us. Friends, Peter was not about to pass the buck to anybody. Look at us. And he, verse 5, the man, expecting to receive something. Peter said, verse 6, Silver and gold I do not have. Now hear me on this next phrase. Peter says, but such as I have, give I thee. Dear brother and sister in Christ, you and I cannot give what we do not have. Do you know Jesus? How intimately do you and I know him? We can only give what I said, in the, so the Bible says, you took him by the hand and said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. We know the rest of that incident. The man's feet and ankle bones gained strength. And he went into the temple walking and leaping and praising God. He was 40 plus years of age. He was like an icon at that beautiful gate of the temple. Everyone who came through that temple for at least 40 years knew of him, had seen him. Even the passers-by outside on the street. Do you know when Peter and John began to preach because that opened a wide open door. Do you know how many souls got saved this time? 
5. It says 5,000 men. So if you add the women and children, 10, 12, 13, 15, we don't know. And by the way, chronologically, from Acts chapter 2, where 3,000 souls got saved, as I've tried to look through commentaries, this was about 10 to 11 years later, so it wasn't just overnight. So God is growing the church exponentially. It says, what I have, I give you. And then they begin to preach because of this wide open door. And in verse 12 of chapter 3, Peter says to them, Why, Israelites, do you marvel at this? It's not our power or holiness. And he goes on to verse 13, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so on and so forth. But you denied the Holy One and just. In verse 14, 15, You killed the Prince of Life, whom God has raised up. And I'm going to allude to that shortly. You killed the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead, and we are witnesses that through faith in His name, this man is sound in your presence. Now we come to the text of the day, chapter 4. As they are preaching, verse 1, as they spoke to the people, the priests and the captain of the guard of the temple And the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And so they grabbed a hold of them, verse 3, accosted them, put them in hold, basically under arrest overnight because it was already evening. Now there's three groups of people here whose cages are rattled by what has just happened. Now I'd like to give you a title for this message. Fantastic, but disturbing. Fantastic, but disturbing. We all know what a busker is. Or is it more an Australian thing? Yeah. So in each major Australian city, there's one super central mall where no cars drive through. It's all paved with pavers. It's only for pedestrians and there are bollards to prevent any vehicles. So each city, like in Perth, it's Hay Street Mall. In Adelaide, it's Rundell Mall. In Brisbane, it's Queen Street Mall. If you go there, you can't pick up on this. At these main, main mall, one per city, and there's only like Six such major cities. There are buskers. So someone who can play an instrument, just say like a John Fike. You could make good money there, John. Just, you know, open your guitar case. And, you know, on the one hand, you're playing the guitar. Put it down, play the sax. And they just walk by and throw coins in. That's a busker. So a busker at the small. Fantastic but disturbing. He wore a multicolored striped coat. A construction worker's hard hat, which had a tap on one side, a toaster oven above, a spring with an animal. He's playing the guitar, and on the neck of the guitar is a stuffed parrot, and there's a wind-up clock on the bottom of the guitar. 
And every so often, the busker would wind that clock and here's what it would say automatically. My mom always told me I'd wind up on the street. Every, it's just a fantastical thing to see. But real. Just to get people's attention, make some money, throw some coins. Every so often he'd wind that thing. My mom always told me I'd wind up on the street. That sight of that man, of that busker, is fantastic. But yet there's something disturbing about that scene and that man. I hope no young man here has such a thing as a lifelong ambition. <laughs> now we come to the scene where God uses Peter and John to raise up this lame man. It happened in Acts chapter 3 and in chapter 4 we read. So let's look at it again. Chapter 4. As they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the guard of the temple... And the Sadducees came and accosted them and kept them in prison, basically house arrest overnight. This incident disturbed the peace of the captain of the guards. He is paid to keep law and order. And if there's a hubbub, if there's a melee, what's going on here? People are going wild. They're going crazy. So he wants to protect his paycheck. So this incident disturbs the peace of the captain of the guards. So he needs to quell any undue emotion or commotion and maintain peace at all costs. So it disturbed the peace of the captain of the guards. Second, this incident disturbed the power of the priests. It disturbed the power, the power base of the priests, even way back then. And there's a huge group of quote-unquote Christendom today that teach that the laity, the common person, cannot approach God directly. They must go through the priest. You know, you're tracking with me. And that the common people, God only spoke to them through the priests. So way back then, these priests had vested in themselves tremendous amount of power, keeping the laity at bay in subjection. So this disturbed the power of the priests. How can this be? You can't approach God directly and get stuff like this to happen. It upset their power base equilibrium. And thirdly, it disturbed the prejudice of the Sadducees. The peace of the captain of the guards, the power of the priests, and the prejudice of the Sadducees. I'm going to read verse 2 from chapter 4. They were grieved that Peter and John taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now most of us will remember this, that a key theological difference between the Pharisees 
and the Sadducees is that the Sadducees do not believe in the resurrection of the dead. So there's at least one young guy here and a couple other kids. You can take this, uh, teach to the others later on. But I remember years ago at Living Word Academy, now LCCS, I went to grade three, and the teacher was teaching these children this song. I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be a Pharisee. Because the Pharisees weren't fair, you see. I just want to be a sheep. <laughs> and that's the chorus. I just want to be a sheep. <laughs> Them. I don't want to be a sad, you see. I don't want to be a sad, you see. Because the sad, you see, were sad, you see. I just want to be a sheep. <laughs> yeah. so you can Google it. It's a fun thing for kids, but it gets the point across. The Sadducees were sad. They had no belief in the resurrection of the dead. And Peter and John are telling us in our face that it's through the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom we killed, that this man is alive, well, and whole today. This cannot be. It completely undermines our theology. So it disturbed the prejudice, doctrinal prejudice, of the Sadducees. Jesus is supposed to be dead. It's not possible that in his name or by his power that this man is now healed and well. And so after putting them under house arrest, the next day they are brought to trial. Peter and John. And then they stand before their accusers. It's like a mini court case. They basically say, you mean we are being called to account for showing mercy and compassion to a lame man? I mean, you can use whatever term you want. We want to be politically, you know, we want to be sensitive, but paraplegic, quadriplegic, whatever. Well, you mean we are being called on the carpet for showing mercy to a man who was lame, who's never walked from birth for 40 years? Is that really why you have us here? And then Peter, who's more the spokesperson, says, This lame man has been made whole by the very same stone. Verse 11, Acts chapter 4. And now most of us no Acts 4.12 by heart, don't we? Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. One verse before that, verse 11. This is the stone, as Jesus Christ, who was set at naught, you all tried to kill him, by you builders, you Pharisees, you Sadducees, you scribes, you Jewish religious leaders to whom the Torah was given through Moses. This stone, which was set at naught, ignored, tried to be done away with by you builders, is now become the head of the corner. 
I know Pennsylvania is called a keystone state. I think about things like that. Jesus is our foundation stone. He's our keystone. He's our cornerstone. He's our capstone. He's all we need. He's everything wrapped up in one. And But Peter does not mince his words. It's the same foundation stone whom you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Now, the master builder used to very carefully select the cornerstone for its size, shape, and strength as it determined the rest of the building. Notice again in verse 11, as I just pointed out, Peter says, the stone which you builders. If anyone knew better, scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, you are without excuse. You were called to be the religious master builders of Judaism. To transmit the oracles of God to his people. Then he says in verse 12. To these religious leaders. There's no other way. There's no other name. Under heaven. Given among men. Whereby we must be saved. You know something I love about Acts 4.12? If you look at that verse, it doesn't put the name in there. But every word is screaming out, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. In John 14.6, the Lord Jesus himself said personally to Philip, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to my daddy except through me. I like the way, I'd like to teach it this way. Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life. Without the way, there's no going. Without the truth, there's no knowing. And without the life, real life, there's no living. Now, the court case continues, proceeds. If you've ever been to a live court case, or at least you've probably watched one online, ah, I'm in a real one. I'm not, not, I, I guess you could think about Judge Judy in those ones too, but <laughs> I don't watch TV, so you know, I just, this is from way back. I'm, I have to go back. But generally speaking, the attorney whether it be for the prosecutor or the defendant, have a couple of exhibits. Right? Proof that my client has to be innocent. So now we have two exhibits. Peter and John are standing here in front of these religious leaders being accused of having done something absolutely terrible. Think about it. Exhibit A. The religious leaders are looking at Peter and John and it says that they noted that they were unschooled. Now don't panic at the next adjective. We will clarify it. I'm uh, quoting from the old King James. They noted that these two men were unschooled and ignorant men. Don't panic now. 
unschooled meaning probably didn't go to Harvard and Yale. All right? Not men of letters. But ignorant. Now don't, don't throw your shoe at me yet. Listen to the statement. Every human is born ignorant. We are made stupid through education. Every human is born ignorant. We are made stupid through education. I was going through my Bachelor of Science as a son of a Pentecostal preacher who knew the Word of God and Genesis, the first few chapters of creation. But when I was going through university, I started to sprout a monkey's tail. We become stupid through education. Then the Holy Ghost saved me smack in the middle of my science degree. And the scales fell off my eyes. Then instead of arguing with my pastor, instead of being a pain in the neck to my pastor, I became a thorn in the side to my lecturer. (laughs) And I just finished as of yesterday, part 8 of 8 on creation versus evolution. By the way, you know the evolutionist. And there are some who are so smart. They're Christians, so to speak. Self-professed. They call themselves theistic evolutionists. You know how they, their version of the Lord's Prayer goes? Our Father, who art up in a banana tree. I thank God. I mean, you speak for yourself. I say, Oh, Father, who art in heaven? Holy is your name. Please don't insult our Creator God like that, my friend. I say to people, if you truly believe you evolved from chimpanzees, tonight when you go home, on your mantelpiece, you got your wedding pictures, then you got your parents' pictures. Then you got your grandparents, maybe black and white. Then above that, put you you put pictures of apes, gorillas, monkeys, chimpanzees, and bam, orangutans because they are your self-professed ancestors, not mine. That's on our. I I don't have it. Just if you if you sign up, we'll send you our YouTube channel link. And I've broken it down into nine-minute clips so nobody gets too much at one shot. Continuing. Exhibit A. They saw that they were unschooled and ignorant men. Ignorant in the sense that, I just said said to you, all of us are born ignorant, but it's education that makes us stupid. It's what kind of education? May we ever be founded and grounded in the living word of God. Hallelujah. Let God be true and every man, every professor, every textbook a liar if it rises up in opposition to the word of God. So, it literally means they were unlearned, not men of, with PhDs. That's exhibit A. And one more thing about exhibit A that the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees had to make note of. Are you ready? It says so. It says, their only credentials were 
that they had been, verse 37, they acknowledged that they had been with Jesus. Hallelujah! That was their only credentials. If, if you and I were condemned for that, it is enough. It is enough. Our problem, why we are not able, some of us, many of us, most of us, to walk up to a person and say, such as I have, because we have not been spending that time with Jesus. That's the challenge to you and I. Exhibit A. Their only credentials was they had acknowledged that these men had been with Jesus. Who are you hanging out with, friend? Who are you spending time with? Exhibit B. So one was Peter and John in your face. The other is the man who was lame for 40 years from birth. He is standing strong. Feet and ankle bones have received strength. He is now made completely whole in front of their eyes and numerous witnesses. He is indisputable evidence. So what do the religious leaders do? They move into, it's like modern day politics, they move into damage control. Damage control, verse 18. It says, verse 16, they huddle, they come into a huddle. What shall we do to these men? Because a notable miracle has been done, it's manifest to everyone in Jerusalem, we cannot deny it, but to keep it from spreading further among the people, let's threaten them that they will not speak anymore in the name of Jesus. Verse 18, and they called them, commanded them to not speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. Hush! Whatever happens, that's the last name you are to be caught speaking. And if you do, you only had one night in the clink. Watch what will happen next time. That's basically what that threat was. They moved to damage control with vain threats to muzzle the people of God. Listen to this. I, this is a, an astounding fact. These same religious leaders tried to do away with the first physical body of Christ on the cross. Now, they were trying to do away with the corporate body of Christ. They try to destroy the physical body of Jesus on Calvary and they're trying to destroy the corporate body of Christ by saying, shut up, do not preach in this name. We will stop you at all costs. Wow. Peter and John's response, verse 19. Peter and John said, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you make that call. 
But we, verse 20, cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. In other words, we will not be silenced. Do your worst. Lock us up if you have to. But we will not be silenced. A recent post of mine on Facebook, some of you may have seen. Let your light shine so intensely and burn so brightly that even if you were unable to speak a word, people would be scorched by the fire of the Holy Spirit in you. They said, we will not be silenced. I know we know this, friend. There's no such thing as a quiet Christian. The old hymn writer, if some of you might remember this, he writes, I sing for I cannot be silent. His love is the theme of my song. I cannot be silent. You will not. You'd have to cut my tongue out for me not to sing God's praises. There's no such thing as a quiet Christian. And now as we come to the end, they're released with veiled threats. Look at verses 29 and 30. Well, from verse 23 it says, And when they were released, where do you think they went? Straight back to their own crowd, their own gang, other believers. And they reported to them everything that the chief priests and elders had told them. Verse 24, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who's made heaven and earth and seen everything in it. And then they go down. Verse 27, for of a truth against your holy child Jesus, whom you anointed Verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your counsel determined. Now we come, 29 and 30. And now, Lord, they were just told, keep quiet. Whatever happens, do not preach in this name. And now when they get back with the crowd, they get right into praying and they say, Now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. By stretching forth your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of your holy child, Jesus. Guess what? They were told to keep quiet. They were told absolutely not to preach and teach or pray in this name anymore. Guess what they go and pray for? More of what got them into trouble in the first place. They go to it and are praying for more of what got them into trouble in the first place. Many of us, I can't speak for all of us, but think, oh no, one night in the clink was enough. I better be wise. I better be tactful. I'm going to move to the next county or the next state. And maybe I'll preach there. Nothing doing. We ain't moving. God, more power, more miracles. More trouble, hallelujah. They pray for more boldness, more power, more miracles. And I want to close with verse 31. What do you think happened when they prayed like this? And when they had prayed, 
the place was shaken. We remember this in Acts chapter 2, right? But listen to this. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke the word of God with boldness. Question, why was the house shaken? The entire house wobbled when they prayed like this. Do you want to know why? Because their prayer had touched the cornerstone. You touch the cornerstone, the entire building will wobble. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the church. Fantastic, yet wonderfully disturbing. Thank you, Pastor. Well, thank you, brother, for sharing and um, encouraging us. We are going to prepare here in just a moment to give an offering, love offering unto the Lord and unto all the different missions that you've prepared to do so, as well as to uh, Brother Andrew and the different ministries that they are involved in there. And I wanted to, I'm going to read to you, if you need an envelope, raise your hand real high and the ushers will bring one to you. If they don't see you, just keep it up, they'll, they'll find you in a moment. And all the checks, you can just make them out to CWI, and, um, but just be sure to memo it where you want it to go. If there's no memo on it, then it just goes into our mission fund, and from there gets sent out to various different places that we have uh, made commitments to support. So if you have a, a particular place you want it to go, be sure to memo it. Another thing I'll say is if you're making out, um, if you'd like to do multiple amounts to multiple different uh, missions, it would be good if you would do each amount separately on a different check or a different, um, different envelope rather than one, one check split into five places. It's hard to do. And banks don't like to cash a fifth of a check, you know. I know, he's a lot funnier than I am, but it's still true. <laughs> so here, I wanted to just build on something that our brother shared as you prepare your offering to the Lord. And it, in, in Judges chapter 6, talking about Gideon, you know, the angel shows up, Gideon's down there threshing wheat, and the angel says, you know, the Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. And they have this exchange back and forth. He's talking to the angel. The angel's talking back to, to Gideon. And then, then the angel says something to him. says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. Go in the strength you have. So what is it that you have at hand? What is the strength the Lord has given you? Even if it's small or, or great, doesn't matter. What has the Lord given you? Go in that strength. So tonight, give in that way with what the Lord has given you. And then from that place, because the Lord has commissioned you right to go into all the world. One of the ways we go into all the world is by sending little green men and women. 
They're called dollars. Little soldiers. All right? That's what, what a dollar is. It's a little soldier. You send little soldiers all over the world. That's how you become involved, one of the ways. So what is the strength that you have? And then if you go on reading the story, as he stepped out and obeyed the Lord, it says the Spirit of the Lord enveloped Gideon. And supernatural things started taking place. And, and even though uh, they end up paring all his army down to the 300, yet the complete victory comes. And so don't, don't look at your finances as, well, I'm going to wait until I have more strength to do something in the kingdom of the Lord. No, go in the strength that you have and allow the Lord to multiply that. All right? So take a hold of your offering. Let's pray over it. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have made us many promises about partnering with you financially. And so, Lord, I ask you to to remember these promises. We remind you, Father, of the promise that as we cast our bread upon the water, it will be returned back to us, Father, that as we sow, we will reap. So, Father, we just sow these unto you. We ask you, Lord, to increase the vision of our heart, to increase our eyesight for where you want us to be involved and how you want us to be involved. I thank you that you bring prosperity to your people and that you prosper them in every way to reach the whole world with the good news of Jesus Christ. We thank you for it in Jesus' name and amen. Well, the ushers can wait on the people and the people will worship the Lord. You know, giving a love offering is a form of worship. So we can worship in song, we can worship in dance, we can worship in clap. You can also worship in your giving. It is our reasonable service, isn't it? That is who you are. 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 Just go on and tell him with your own mouth who he is to you. You're my Lord. I exalt you. You are good and faithful. Tell Him who He is. How He has been to you. Thank Him for it. Name the ways. Count the blessings with your mouth. Father, You have been so kind to us. You've been patient, full of mercy. You've always kept Your promise. Always kept Your Word. Father, You have protected. You have blessed. You have loved. You have given to us in more ways than we can count. Father, you have graced us and given us abilities we didn't have by ourselves. Father, you've given us an inheritance, an inheritance that goes all through the ages. We're grateful for this, Father. Thank you for giving us life and relationship. Thank you for making us your children. Thank you for redeeming us, for washing away all our sin. I thank you, Lord, for setting us free from bondage, for delivering us from strongholds. I thank you that you have given us the name of Jesus, that name that's above every name. We bless you, Jesus. We exalt you, Jesus. Worthy is the name of Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the name of Jesus. 
Father, you are good in every way, in ways we can't even describe. And Father, thank you for being good to us. Father, we want to be more like you. We want you to shine through us in every way. Father, we want your light. The places of darkness within, Father, show them to us. We want your light to prevail in our life, in our community, in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces. Father, we want your light to shine. Lord, so use us. Shine through us. I thank you for your grace that you've made available to us. I thank you for the empowerment and abilities that you've put within us, Lord, that greater are you in us than he that's out there in the world. So, Father, I just ask you this week that you would just come strong upon every person. Come strong on them with your spirit. Lord, that as we go out, we'll be bold. Bold like they were in, the, in, in Acts, Father. Bold like the early church started out. Full of boldness. Full of your truth. Full of your anointing. Full of the word of the gospel. Of the resurrection. Of the hope of life. Father, this is what we desire. So man, fill us full. Overflowing. Full of your wonder. Of your works. Of your light. Of your gospel. And I thank you for it. We just pledge to, to cooperate with you, Lord, as you prompt us and as you come upon us to give you full range, free range, full expression as you see fit. And everyone says, Amen. Well, one way we love God in this house is by loving on each other, hugging one another, telling each other, blessing each other, right? So we invite everyone to join us downstairs. We have some finger foods that you can share and have conversation down there or up here. Praise the Lord. Well, welcome this evening to Church of the Word International. We're so blessed that each and every one of you are here today. Amen. Well, I'd like to encourage you. We're going to have a song of worship. The Psalms is such a great book. It was the inspiration and heart of David and many others, but primarily David. So Psalms 108 says, Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Awake, psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise the Lord among the people and I will sing unto thee among the people. Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. All of your heart. Not some, but all of your heart. In the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the people. Well, we are in the congregation and the assembly, aren't we? Let's all as family tonight, let's stand up together and let's praise our good, good, faithful Father in spirit and in truth and in worship. Amen. Hallelujah.
How many can say they're glad to be in the house of the Lord? You know, your praise is unto the Lord, isn't it? So don't get your eyes on the people, but keep it on the Lord. Well, good evening, everyone. It's good to be with you all tonight. How about you? You excited and glad to be here? I hope so. <laughs> Let's prepare to return our tithe to the Lord this morning. Sorry, evening. Still getting used to this evening service thing. <laughs> Before we do that, why don't we um, welcome our guests that are with us this, this evening. So if you're here for the first time, can you raise your hand so we can give you a welcome? we got one in the back. Welcome to CWI. We trust you're not here by accident, but that the Lord has something for you tonight. So, all right. Uh, if you need a cash envelope for your giving, raise your hands real high. The ushers will see that you get one. Uh, Galatians 6. Galatians 6, chapter, verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. So we're to watch out for this. Wherever you see, don't be deceived, you need to be aware because this is a point upon which people are deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So there is a sowing and reaping in the natural, and there's a sowing and reaping uh, spiritually. And a lot of times we read this line here, reaping from the flesh, or reaping corruption from the flesh, and you think, you know, you sow a life of sin, you're going to reap corruption. Um, I want to also expand that. I mean, this is all in the same thing. Anything you do to the flesh. So, you know, if I give a gift to somebody, but I've got a selfish motive, I really just want to look good. You know, I really just want, you know, the praise of man or something. Well, they're going to be glad for it. They're going to, you know, have benefit. But it, I'm really, all my thanks is, is they said thank you. My thanks is just I looked good for a moment. So heart motives. We're going to get around to that, but let's keep reading. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So bringing this back to motives, that uh, sowing to the Spirit, that what drives that is love. Doing things from a heart of love. And in 1 Corinthians 13, this is what it says here. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3 says, If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. You might gain something if I gave it to you, but you know, you can do, you could give away your whole bank account, everything you have, even your body. But if it wasn't done from a motive of love, what did it amount to? So our motives, what's in our heart, the heart we're doing it in is what makes your offering acceptable or pleasing to God or not. So we will always want to be examining, what, what's my heart motive? Why am I doing this? Am I wanting to look good? Am I wanting praise and recognition? You know, my, is this from a heart of I'm guilty and I just want to, like I'm under compulsion here? You know, what is my motive? What is my heart's motive? Well, we want to have our offerings pleasing to the Lord, right? We want our giving to um, please him and be from a heart of faith and honor. So that is what we want to be checking up on, making sure that we love, we give because we love God and we love his people. 
We love his covenant and his word, and that's what our eye is on. Amen? All right, so let's take a hold of our tithe and let's return it to the Lord. Father, we are so grateful to you tonight to be counted your children. We just thank you so much for your word, for your promises that you've given to us. I just call every tither in this house blessed. And I thank you, Lord, that the devourer is rebuked for their sake and that you've opened up the windows of heaven and poured out blessing more than that can be received. And I just thank you that every need in the house is met according to your word. And in Jesus' name, amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give to the Lord. All right, in our bulletin, a couple of things we want to mention. Tomorrow night, so still getting used to the service switch, I wanted to say tonight, <laughs> but it is tonight. Tomorrow night is the, young, or the Youth and Young Adults Impact is going to be meeting here at 6 and also, mark your calendars for November 1st. We have a CWI fall barn party. It's going to be at the Zimmerman's Barn. So mark your calendar and prepare to come out for that. All right. Tonight also is our missions offering. So we will be receiving a missions offering at the end of the service or later. We'll let the pastor uh, receive that one. So. I was just wondering, given that, and since we know so many folk kind of personally, if you would indulge me a little bit, Sister Vera Zimmerman, why are you grinning so broadly there? Where's Alan? Tell him I asked. Oh, he's out on duty. There's your son, Junior, Alan Lee, behind you, right? And Levina, is that right? Great. Just wanted to, there's just quite a few faces that, I, I, the lights are hitting. Oh, I know that couple there. He's one of my hardest fans on Facebook. Is that right? (laughs) Oh, just refresh me though. What's the family's name? Dave and Charlotte Rissler. Oh, and brilliant comments and feedback he has. You, You follow that gentleman, that brother there. Yeah, so. No, the others in the back. I know Robin Ginder, Robin and Mim. Uh, I this light. This Kathy Rosado in the back. Kathy, just wave your hand. Do you you're visiting here tonight? And that's you know what, Pastor. Praise God, you're meeting on a Saturday night. So I could send the the message out by Facebook and then by email, because not everyone does both. And so there's Kathy, who's. Uh, uh, long-standing, I knew her as Kathy Henry. She's not Kathy Rosado's Tony Battery Road. 300's Tony Battery Road, is that right? I'm a little dangerous, watch out. <laughs> and uh, of course, I know Larry and Karen Hostetta so well for so many years. Uh, real faithful prayer warriors. Uh, just a precious couple in the Lord. I even remember the house you used to live at before on that corner there. Well, and then there's a Jim and... What happened to your wife, Deb? It's coming. Jim and Deb Wolf. Deb's younger sister, Jen, was my student. It doesn't mean I'm that old. Just <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Jim is a sparky. That's Australian for electrician. That's right. They have some strange ways of talking there. For example, uh, Caleb... Zimmerman, they'd ask you, so what do you do for a crust of bread? In other words, what do you do for a living? 
And you respond by saying, I'm a bricky, which means I'm a mason. Or a sparky. Or a chippy is a carpenter. <laughs> Clever. They have some. So Jim, for our cottage pastor, sit in Jen, where you all stayed next door to us. Jim put in the new power board uh, with the uh, fuses free of charge for us. There's people all over this county and right then here in this local church who have been a real blessing to us like that. Uh, I already hit you up, young Zimmerman. So, <laughs> that, Did someone say Linda, I believe, was here? Oh, there she is in the back. She's a graphic arts designer, right, Linda? Yeah. We've been to a small group or cell group that she's a part of and now learned that she comes to Church of the Word. Isn't that amazing? So, awesome. Uh, I know, please don't hold it against me if I didn't name you. person. Then Paul and Sandy Zimmerman, who we've known... But Buckholder, oh, there's too many Zimmermans here. Sorry, that's it. That's the Z corner. This is the B corner. <laughs> Paul and Sandy Burkholder, I know them from the days of Ephraim East End Mart, which they've since sold about three years ago. Sandy tutored for free. I'm sure you're not surprised with that. Our only son, Luke, on the keyboard. So they, they have blessed and sold so much. And then Paul and Sandy have been to the beautiful Fiji Islands and ministered on worship at our Bible college there. So you needed to hear that, rest of the congregation. And where's uh, Dan Bauman? Who's gone downstairs too? Dan and Reba? Daryl, did I say Daryl? So Reba's your daughter. So your daughter and your sister Reba has been to Australia on a mission trip. So right here, we have tremendous ties, and uh, Paul and Sandy Burkholder have been. In fact, they live off of Berkey Lane in Ephrata. I know exactly where their house is. A little dangerous here. Uh, <laughs> so, and Karen Burrows, we've got to know her, uh, mighty in spirit. While we could go, there comes Alan Zimmerman, senior. Well, alrighty, and where's John Fike? Oh! See, the lights are killing me here. They're not killing me. They're just in my face. Nice to make John and, and I know John and Nellie and their daughter Jessica. Please pinch her cheeks for me again. I used to do that when she was a teenager. So there we go. And uh, I just felt to indulge in that way, in a personal way. Please forgive me if you're someone I do happen to know and happen to have missed. Um, also, I used to teach at the Erstwhile Living Word Academy, which is now Lancaster County Christian School. Uh, mine's a rare case. Uh, today I was at the office of, of um, Home Instead at 501 by the Golden Tea. John Gibble, the son of Gibble, Carable, and Hess, the oldest boy, was my student. So I have access to his office to do our ministry work when we're here. We are so greatly blessed. So um, he's uh, so the cases like John Gibble, where though I was his teacher, I'm younger than him. No, no, not exactly close, but no banana. Tonight, tonight, we would like to teach on a very powerful incident that took place in the Book of Acts. But just prior to that, Brother John, if you're ready with the PowerPoint, are we? Or you will be. And while he's doing that then, 
on the little table out back as you head straight out, there's a trifold open there. So now you can see, ah, this is where Reba went, and this is where Sandy and Paul went. And so it's live, it's real, it's not some, some pictorial representation which is a figment of someone's imagination. How's that for an English teacher? <laughs> so it's for real. And then there's, I've authored three books. The first two are sold out. And so the third is a collection of five of the 15 seminars I teach around the world. So this deals with finances or stewardship. I noted keenly, Pastor Jennifer said, let's return the tithe right on the money. I was listening closely. But um, since the writing of this, of the Lord, this, oh, well, let me finish. So finances or uh, scorners and mockers, but there's none like that in Landisville. Uh, not in the church, for sure. Uh, relationships within the body of Christ. We're not just talking male, female, just how to relate to each other. Uh, leadership and submission and authority, which we have no issues with in the United States of America. <laughs> so there's a five of the 15 seminars I teach as a college. They're $10 a book. If you want to buy two for 18 three for 25 and bless two friends with it. It's the last few copies of the last of my three books because it's self-published. So that's what's available. And then that's it. All right, are we ready, sir? So APT Foundation is the parent organization. Uh, babe, would you please stand so they can see who my wife is? This is my wife, Anne, with an E, as an Anne of Green Gables. Yeah. yeah. So she runs the Door of Hope, which is a project for children from the slums in India. Uh, so she has a heart for the poor, the underprivileged, and the homeless. And that's why she married me. <laughs> I hope we can handle a joke here. Don't take everything too serious. <laughs> so go back if you don't mind, John. Let's go back. Um, yeah. So my son, Luke... He's now 26, 6'1". He is uh, kind of my complexion. And he was diagnosed by a friend in Arizona who's a psychologist with a serious TDH complex, which stands for tall, dark, and handsome. All right. <laughs> We're just warming up. Come on. Right now, Luke is in Brisbane, Australia. And in case you're ge ge geographically impaired, Brisbane is the same latitude south of the equator that Tampa, Florida is north of the equator. Bingo! Now the Americans get it, right? <laughs> so we pick our spots. Luke is right there in Brisbane, Australia, on the eastern seaboard, which is the Pacific Ocean. And he's staying with my youngest brother, and he's finishing his degree in counseling and psychology because he's seen what's happening to his dad. <laughs> I hope, don't take me serious now. <laughs> so, Anne's project is for slum children in India. Actually, she corrected me. They are not slum children. They happen to be children who were born in the slums. You happen to be a person who was privileged, greatly privileged, to be born in these United States or to migrate here. Hopefully you did it legally. Right. 
I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> but I have the authority to say so being a legal immigrant. Come on. Come on. Okay. So that's just a picture of what some of the slum dwellings are like. Next shot. Little transformation there. Each year we have a different poster child. Next. That's Anne with the little boys. And then Andrew with the little girls. And then, of course, you tell, can tell the beautiful new clothes and buys them uh, every year a couple of times. Next. Uh, happy staff. All of them came Hindus and got born again. Every single one of them. In fact, some afternoons, they don't have lunch while we eat lunch. They're praying. You know, the fervor of a, a new convert to Christ. I mean, not sprinkle water convert, real convert. Man, they put us to shame. I walk away from the room when I hear them praying. Because it challenges me. Next. Some volunteers there with our, some of our children and staff. It's just $10 per month to sponsor a child. And that is for five days a week. They come and go. We feed them every afternoon. And we, Ann and I, eat the same food that they get. If you come to visit us, you get the same food. I don't think I've lost weight on it either yet. So, <laughs> Vacation Bible school, lunchtime. These are the oldest siblings. The children she cares for between 18 months and 4 years. And then they graduate. So these are the oldest siblings at Vacation Bible school. And then those who graduate after four years, who demonstrate a scholastic aptitude, we also sponsor them. Though they leave Door of Hope officially, go to the local, what you would call public schools, but there it's really shot for, because of the economy. So those who dem demonstrate a scholastic aptitude, we sponsor them by paying the tuition and books and uniforms to an English medium school. So tomorrow, they could be your tech support. Hello, my name is Philip Brown. <laughs> it's true, I'm telling you. But what a leg up that gives them from growing up in a slum. Uh, so it's just $150 per child per year. That's like $13.5 per month for the older children for their uniform books and tuition to attend an English medium school. In fact, one of Anne's staff, her older girl, after two years of us sponsoring her to this English medium school, we came back from overseas and she saw me and she said, good afternoon, uncle. I was like, wow, that's not even her mother tongue. I was like, whoa. So, so the fruit of that, it's amazing. Good afternoon. Like as if she grew up in your home. This is the new Door of Hope building, which is now, none, there's no projects going on right now, so we're not looking, doing any fundraisers. It's completed, praise the Lord. So this is the new Door of Hope uh, building, parking with three floors and then uh, function hall on top. Now it's 35 years APT Foundation. I just switched from Anne's project to APT Foundation, the parent organization. 35 years exactly, we've established three Bible colleges in the beautiful Fiji Islands where Sandy and Paul have been. Um, 
Jakarta, Indonesia. Indonesia, if you just pause that there, John. Indonesia's the fourth most populated nation on earth. Now, Americans are the most generous people on earth. But geography can be challenging at times. Notice how I use the Tampa, Florida example. Follow with me. Some of you would know the answers. He's got a smart aleck look at him. Caleb, Caleb. (laughs) Number one population country on earth. China. Number two. India. Number three. United States. Used to be the USSR before it broke up into its several republics. Number four. Indonesia. Very little known fact. Indonesia is the largest populated Muslim country on planet Earth. It has more Muslims than Iran, Iraq, and Egypt combined. The reason it slips under the radar, the Muslims in Indonesia, to use an American terminology, they don't wear the rag head with a fan belt. That's totally politically incorrect. Is that okay here? I think I'm in safe terrain. <laughs> but they're Muslims nonetheless. They're just not Arabs. Arabs, right? Okay, so, so three Bible colleges. Go just back to that slide, John. So it was Fiji Islands, Indonesia, and India. And then we've started two Christian schools, both in Fiji and North India. Constructed 23 simple church buildings. Not a beautiful facility like this. Simple block and flooring, the roofing. We support 60 plus native pastors, primarily in Indonesia and India. That is Islamic Indonesia and Hindu India. And then we've purchased 20 plus motorcycles, good use motorcycles for our pastors. Next slide. This is one of our graduates, Torcas. He's now Pastor Torcas from our Bible college in Jakarta, Indonesia, some years ago. Now pastors a church of over 1,000 people in the most populous Muslim country on earth. And by the way, out of interest, you might wonder or ask, Brother Andrew, what took you to Indonesia? It was my personal revenge for 9-11. After what they did to our country. So we'll take the gospel there. And so already a thousand souls. And through so many of our graduates, we've more than made up time and again for 9-11. Next. Both these young ladies are alumni of ours. And they ministered to over 200. It's actually doubled. I didn't even update that. Homeless people in the huge mega city of Jakarta, which is the capital of Indonesia. Next. Student body. Next. Graduation. Next. Beautiful Fiji Islands. That's our main hall. Next. We have our Bible college. That's the Bible college batch. Next. And our Christian school. Next. Children playing basketball, next. 
lunch room next. This is our latest project in Fiji, just completed this February. I said, all the projects are done. Praise God. There's three floors there. It's completely four. The upper two levels are four, two-bedroom, two-bathroom apartments uh, for staff and others. And the lower is, a, is another floor, a hall for churches to use. So we have like six churches using... Hear, hear this as a testimony. You saw the other building just now, right? And now this. There's six churches using those two buildings every Sunday causing the ministry of apt foundation in Fiji as of this February to become self-sustaining. We praise God and thank you for the faithfulness of his people who have been faithful through the years. Next. This is just two acres across the road for future development. Don't worry, we're not doing anything now. I want to rest and breathe a little while. Praise God. Next. Uh, just an overview, uh, rugby field on the right-hand side, staff quarters opposite. Next. We also have our ministry base in Adelaide, Australia. Uh, so Adelaide would be the equivalent of, let's see, um, Mobile, Alabama. Yes. Um, so that's where Anne and I spend a couple months each year. But I also fly from Adelaide to Melbourne, Australia. Melbourne is the second biggest city after Sydney. And I fly to Brisbane, where my son Luke is at. So those three cities I target, and I'm ministering every weekend. I, I put the koala there because it's for real, but just to remind you all that we actively minister in Australia also each year. Next. The last book is there. Next. You can be involved by prayer. You know what? People, all missionaries come and say, please pray, please pray. The older I get, I just shared with you that the projects are done, right? So when we say pray, we really mean it. Please do pray for us. There's nothing more powerful than the gift of your prayer. Yes, we thank you for blessing in other ways. But do pray for us. So, Volunteers, school teachers, etc. That's our email. Uh, yeah, our email, um, website, Facebook. If you look for Andrew Taylor, Adelaide, Australia, and you see someone who looks like uh, from the Middle East, that's me. <laughs> Andrew Taylor. I chose Adelaide, Australia because there's too many Andrew Taylors in North America. One final thing, and thank you. That's the presentation. As a, as a up-to-the-minute sharing what the Spirit of God has been doing in my life. We were in Adelaide, Australia. Anne was all packed. I'm not sure about you all, but for guys, I kind of take 45 minutes to pack. <laughs> but she was all packed. And I sat there, wasn't feeling too good. And I said, do you think we should postpone to go to India, to her project in India? She said, oh, no, because her heart is at her passion, at her project. So we went, and one week later, a serious lockdown hit. You know, it's, we've all heard this before. You have a lemon, you squeeze it. What comes out when the lemon's under pressure? 
something very taut. Actually, it's very healthy, but it's very taut. When I was under lockdown, suddenly, I could not preach. Every Sunday, I preach in a different church wherever I am in the world. And all the churches were closed down by order of uh, executives like Kim Jong Wolf. I know I'm on safe ground here. And this is coming from, uh, from uh, you know, international travel, multicultural genetic hybrid. Uh, seriously, I'm culturally and genetically a hybrid. And if you thought you're pure, I don't mean to hurt your feelings. But genetics is one of my favorite subjects. Hybrids are disease-resistant and produce better fruit. Oh. Don't you prefer seedless watermelon? Come on. <laughs> That's just to pull your leg. Look, we're all just as precious in the sight of our Father God. Hallelujah. So what happened to me during lockdown? I had no idea that way back in 2011 when I started a Gmail account that I had accidentally and incidentally opened a YouTube account which I never looked at ever since. It was just there. And the Spirit of God just leads me. There was nobody there. You're locked down. I said, start uploading the Word. As of today, there's 187 messages uploaded in our YouTube channel with 1,300 subscribers and five Views short of 10,9995. So, when you're under pressure, what comes out of you, my friend? What's come out of you during this lockdown time? It should not be leading people to depression. More word of the devil, do your worst. More word will come squeezing out of me. And I'm only like one tenth, if that, of the seminars and book studies that I've done that are not yet uploaded. All right, so that's a testimony up to the minute.